Hey kids, I'm Michelle Carlo and you are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How is everyone doing on this lovely Sunday morning? You know, I always ask the same question every Sunday. How are my blessed and highly favored people doing today? Blessed and highly favored, of course, right? I am so happy to be here with you guys again on another beautiful Sunday morning that the Lord has made for us, right? And before I get started with the show, I'd like to take care of some housekeeping. I want to get the housekeeping out the way quick because I have a lot to talk about today. 
Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. We are a 5013C nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. So now, housekeeping is out the way. And there's a couple of things I want to say. One, I'm going to give out the radio telephone line. Um, I didn't do it last week because I got so caught up. And I think this week I probably, I'll give it out, but I probably won't get too many calls because I do have a lot to cover today. But in case any of you want to chime in, the number is 718-673-8201. That's 718 718- Six seven three eight two zero one. That's the number to the studio if you want to talk to me. But the exciting news that I have to tell you people, of course, you know, I'm always running, running, running all over the place, right? And I think, like I said, this year, God is really, he's showing me a lot of things. He's showing me a lot of things about myself. And he's showing me a lot of things about others as well. But mostly about myself, because, you know, he always starts with you. He may show you something in somebody else. But when he's showing it to you in somebody else, he's actually showing it to you in someone else so that you could see it in yourself. Because that's the only way you're going to recognize it. Because as soon as you see it in somebody else and you're like, oh, why are they? Before you could even finish the words, why are they? He's already showing you the mirror like "Mm, the reason why they are is because look, look, look who else is doing it. So. I say all that to say when I see people, like when I used to see people just running around, they have so much to do. Oh, they're this, that, and the other. They're all busy. Everything's all over the place. They're everywhere, right? And I say that to say because who now but your girl is like this, that, and the other all over the place, busy. I'm doing so much. Like my son, would, oh, he always make me laugh. When he was in high school, they always had this saying that him and his friends used to do that people were doing the most without doing anything. And sometimes I feel that that's what I'm doing. I'm doing the most, but I feel like I'm not doing anything. But in reality, I am doing a lot. I really do be doing a lot, but I I need to slow myself down. That's what it is. I'm taking on, and it's not even that I need to slow myself down. In the progression that God has me going in now, he's showing me that things are starting to develop into something bigger. So I have to now learn how to delegate things out, like things that need to be done. I can't do what he's showing me is it's going to come a time where I'm not going to be able to do everything myself. And that's what I've been doing. I've been doing everything myself, you know, running around, taking care of this, taking care of that. But he's showing me that. There's going to come a time when you're not going to be able, you are not going to be able to do everything yourself and you are going to have to rely on others to do things for you as well. So with that, he's showing me, teaching me, like we said last week, getting your house in order. I need to start getting things in order and in place 
for when it becomes that time that I can no longer keep running around doing things for myself. I already have things in motion so that it could just continue to roll and go on with how it needs to go on. And I say that because coming here to the studio this morning, every, okay, you know, I've been back in the studio. This is my third week being back live. And when I come here, every time I come here and I don't know what it is with me, I, I, I still have yet to get that answer from God. And it could be that he just doesn't want me to get too comfortable. He just still wants me to always have to rely on him for everything that I do, which I do. But in a sense, I don't. I do and I don't. I rely on him for everything, but I still try to do everything like, OK, can you do it this way? Even though he wants you to do this, but OK, he wants you to do this, but do it this way. I still have to put a little bit of me into it. So he's teaching me how I really still have to keep me out of it. And I'm sure this is a message for others as well. We're following him, but even in following him, we still have our own little spin on it. And he's like, Mm-mm, no spins, just do it the way I said, do it. So every time I come here to the studio for the, say, for the last, this is the third week. When I come in here, I always feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't know why when I walk in here, I always feel like that. Like, just for a little example, I came in here today and... Out of all the times, it's still, it's kind of cloudy here today because we're, you know, we're having snow showers or it's raining. It's going to be like a wintry mix starting today. So it's, it's not as bright as it would normally be. Whereas when I would normally, normally come in, if the sun was shining, there would be a lot of light in the studio because like I said, we have these windows in here now. So we get a lot of natural light. So I never, it never dawned on me, Kenya, you know, where are the light switches so that you need light because every time I came in here, it was always lit. So I never thought about lights in the ceiling. I come in here this morning and I'm like, wow, it's kind of dark in here. So then I'm like, okay, well, let me turn on the light. And then I'm like, but where is the light switch? So here I am walking around the studio because it's a new studio. And I'm like, I didn't even ask where the light switch was. So anyone would Anyone that knows how a room is set up, you go like, okay, well, I'm going to go to where I would think light switches would normally be, which it would be like near a door when you're coming in, right? So I go back to the door and I'm looking and I'm like, okay, there's no light switch over here. But I know there has to be a light switch in this area because they wouldn't put it too far off from the door. Because if you're coming in here at night, how are you going to see where you're going if you have to walk halfway across the room to turn on the light? So I'm looking, looking, looking. So I come back and I sit down, right? I sit back here at the uh, mic and I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, I'm going to find this light switch. So I just sit here and I'm like, okay, God, just show me where the light switch is. I don't want to have to keep walking around in this room, you know, because we have two rooms now trying to figure out where a light switch is. So lo and behold, once I sit here and say, God, just show me where the light switch is. When I stand up to go back to the door, of course, you know, he shows me where the light switch is. And it was right Right there, it was near the door, but it wasn't near the door where I was looking because we have these two big double doors. So it was on the other double door, the wall where the other double door was, and I wasn't paying attention to it. I was just looking at the one door, focusing on the door that I came in. And that also is a message to say, don't always think that things are going to be where you expect them to be. Or don't always think that things are going to turn out the way you expect them to because the norm is to what you're accustomed to having as a norm may not always be the norm going forward. Yes, the light switch was near the doorway, 
but it didn't have to be the doorway that I thought it should have been on because, oh, this is the door we come through, so the light switch should be here. No, the light switch was where you can find it. And had I asked, you know, when I came back to the studio and said, oh, well, where's the light switch? The last thing I was thinking about was a light switch. But it's letting me know, and all of you that are hearing the sound of my voice, when you are even going back into something that you're familiar with, still acquaint yourself with the little things that you would just automatically take for granted, like I did, like a light switch. And having coming here this morning and it being dark in the studio, then it dawned on me, oh my gosh, how do I turn on the lights? Lo and behold, I did find how to turn on the lights. And I found that we have a ceiling fan that I didn't even realize because when I turned on the lights, there was there was a panel that had different switches and I'm flipping because I don't know which one turns on the light. So, of course, I'm flipping, flipping, flipping. And lo and behold, I flipped on and the fan came on and I'm like, oh, wow, fresh air. I mean, the things that you just don't think about. And I know this probably sounds trivial to some of you listening to me and you're probably anybody that just tuned in. They're like, why is she talking about a light switch and a fan? But the things what I'm trying to say in the whole story and I didn't have this as being my story, but in everything, like I said, everything that happens in our life is for a reason. And there's always a story behind it, no matter how small it is in my journey that he has me on. And it could be for somebody else as well. He's just showing me the little things that we take for granted or think we, oh, I already know that. So or it's going to be like that because it's always been like that. Don't look at it that way. Everything you go to do, and it's not like it has to be everything you go to do has to be a major project, but everything you go to do, look at it as, okay, let me find out every little piece of what I need to know in order to do what it is that I need to do smoothly. Like, okay, I ended up finding out where the light switch was and lo and behold, I discovered the fan. So now in the future, I know I have it. But when I first walked in here, it was the, the heat was up. So I was like, oh, it's kind of warm in here. I wish I could turn on the air. And the only thing I saw was the air conditioner in the window. And I didn't want to turn that on. And I didn't want to open the windows. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of warm in here. Whereas the ceiling fan, once I turned it on, I got ventilation. The air was moving around in the room. It's just little things like that. He's telling he's reminding me or he's showing me. And that's why I'm telling you guys little things like that to just pay attention to. Because they are important. The things that we take for granted are actually things that are important and we need to pay attention to. But that wasn't what I was talking. That was not going to be my topic for today. But it turned out to be a good topic for today. Just a little um, opening. But today I want to discuss in going through everything that God has been showing us about getting our houses in order and preparing for the return of Jesus in this holiday season. And I'm feeling that he's doing it in this holiday season because people are people are going out. They're getting involved now. People are starting to mingle and get together because last year, you know, with the pandemic and everything, more people want to spend time with family and friends. So they're getting back into the air quote holiday season, which Today starts the beginning at sundown is the beginning of Hanukkah. But he wants us to look at this holiday season, not like we normally did 
which was on a commercial level, but really take a look at why are you remembering or celebrating or gathering together for these holidays? What was the what was the real meaning behind them all that somehow got lost as time went on and they turned in or morphed into something else? And I think he's trying to bring us back to what the reality of why we were celebrating these days, right? So with getting our houses in order and just understanding everything he's been showing us coming towards the end of the year, today's topic, and it might be a little off from what he's showing us, but it's also still very important and very strategic as to where I was saying, I know he's getting me prepared for something bigger and I have to learn how to have others that I could rely on to get things done. Today's topic is friendship, right? And he brought it to my spirit because when you think about it, we always say that God brings people into our lives for a reason or a season, or I should say a reason and season, right? And I'm sure that all of you have had people that passed through your life that made an impression on you, right? The impression could have been a good one. Someone who you always remember for how they might have poured into your life, you know, when you needed it the most. Or it could have been a bad impression. Someone who made, when you hear that name, you're like, don't even mention that name around me. I don't even want to hear it, right? We all know people like that as well. But don't get me wrong, I have a lot of those people too, right? And you don't wish them any harm. You don't wish them any bad. You just don't wish them around you anymore, right? And then going back to the ones who are uh, important in your life, right? You have those people that sometimes when you think about them, you know, you might have lost touch, you know, you might not have been in contact with them for a long period of time. But when you think about them, you wonder like, you know what? I wonder how they're doing, right? So I had one of those, was it Monday? It was Monday or Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday. I got a call from someone who I hadn't heard from in a few years. And now mind you, I used to talk to this person like every day. Every day I used to talk to this person because we always had something to have. We always had testimonies for each other, what God was doing, what God is doing, or trying to figure out what what is God going to do, right? So we always had those type of conversations. And the other night they called me and they called me out the blue because someone, someone had called them. And when they finished speaking to that individual, it made them think of me. So they said, you know what? I have to call her. Lo and behold, we stayed on the phone for hours catching up, you know, and it was almost like we didn't even skip a beat. It was like once we got on the phone, it was just talking, talking, talking. But the one thing I will say, when I first saw the call, I couldn't pick it up right away. So I, when I went to my phone and I saw I had a missed call, when I saw the name, my heart started getting excited, not because I was excited because I was like, oh, I'm so happy to hear from them. But I started 
I was becoming apprehensive. I was like, oh my gosh, why is this person calling me? I hope it's not bad news. And that's the thing too. When you don't keep in touch with people that you know matter in your life and you finally get a call from them, why is it that the always, it was always the first thing that we think about is, oh my gosh, I hope it's not bad news, right? Because that's usually when people always gather together or when you get a call from someone you haven't heard from in a long time. But this one happened to be good news. So it was a good thing. And that's also to say, don't wait so long to, to even just reach out to people that you haven't reached out to even if it's just to say hi or send a text, just so when they hear from you, they won't automatically think, oh my gosh, it's bad news that's coming from you, right? So anyway, we get on the phone, we're talking, talking, talking. And now mind you, I've known this person. This was a college buddy of mine. And we're talking, 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 right? And it got me to thinking just how important relationships are. Because when you think about how long that person has been in your life, and then you think about how you met and the certain situations that you might have gone through together and how everything just, you know, just fit. It's almost like weaving a like a tapestry. It's what, like if you were to have just the threads of everything that happened in your life, you would have like a giant a rug, like a, a full rug for the room right now, because all the little things that have happened in your life would be woven into that rug. Right. So. It got me to thinking, and as God would have it, he started me thinking about friendships. And like I said, getting people in your life, gathering people around you that are important and keeping them close. And I thought about the relationship between David and Jonathan in the Bible. And that's one relationship of a friendship that they say is like, when they think about friendships in the Bible— that one is the one that all the scholars, all the theologians, all the pastors, all the ministers, everyone always talks about the relationship between David and Jonathan because it was so profound when you think about their friendship. And I'm going to give you some background behind it. And it, I guess with that's the reason why God had everything happen. Like I told you, when things happen in my life, and I don't know how many of you think of it that way, but I've learned in my walk with him, when things happen in my life, it's not just happening just to be happening. There's always a connection somewhere in what I'm doing and what he has me doing that the pieces are going to fall into place. So the call coming from the friend that I got was not by chance. Yes, it, it seemed to me like, oh, my gosh, I haven't heard from her in so long. But then after I finished talking to her, he brought to mind David and Jonathan. Now, had he brought to mind J David and Jonathan, Jonathan first, I would have just looked at it as, OK, God, you want me to talk about David and Jonathan, but why? You know what I mean? I would have been like, OK, I'll talk about the relationship between David and Jonathan. But he had to open my appetite to a relationship that I could relate to so that when he gave me David and Jonathan, I could talk about it freer because I could understand the positions. I could understand why someone would do what they would do just because he brought that person back and we started talking and it brought up other things. So I say all that to say, the relationship between David and Jonathan in the Bible, like I said, theologians, they always talk about this relationship because they say that 
they were so close that they actually looked at each other as brothers. They saw each other as brothers. That's just how close they were. But if you think about it, David was anointed by Samuel, right, to be king of Judah, right? He was going to be the king of Judah. But the reason why David was anointed by Samuel, why God sent Samuel to anoint David, is because the reigning king, Saul, had not followed the orders of what God had told him to do. Now, to go back, I'm going to give you a little background story of how all this came to be. And that's the only way I could really, I could talk about David and Jonathan in and of themselves, just alone. But it's always better to have the background story so then you could fully understand why their relationship is so important and why everybody always looks at it as being so important. The people of Israel wanted a king, right? They had been, God had been their king from the time he had gotten them out of Egypt, even with Joseph, with Moses, all of them leading them through the wilderness, getting them into their promised land. God had been their air quote king because he was the one that was directing them, giving them everything they wanted, telling them how they should live. The people started seeing all the other, well, actually their enemies and other people around having live flesh kings, right? And they wanted a flesh king. They had Samuel the prophet who God spoke through to give them direction, but they looked at Samuel as being what he was, the prophet. So anytime Samuel opened his mouth, they knew that whatever he was saying was coming from the Lord, right? But they wanted someone who was a king, a real, like, we want a man who's going to stand up there and be king of us. So God had Samuel get Saul. Saul became their king. God appointed them a king. But in the whole book of Samuel, and it starts in, it's 1 Samuel. If you start reading 1 Samuel, say from like, I think it starts at like 10 or 9, someplace around there, you'll see how you know, Saul was maneuvering through. And this is the one thing in Samuel, there's just so many nuggets that I'm not going to really get into in depth, but there's so much that you can find out about. Be careful what you ask for, because you can really get it and have to live with it afterwards. And you also see how the relationship of how people will start out saying that, oh, yes, you know, they're going to follow God. And but how, uh, power can corrupt you. Just little different things that you learn in there. But fast forwarding, Saul messed up. He didn't follow God. God then had Samuel go anoint David to be king. Jonathan was Samuel's, I mean, not Jonathan was Saul's son. And Saul, knowing that God was going to replace him, knew that David was going to be the next king. So that right there brought up envy and jealousy and strife, right? Although Saul had brought it on himself, even though when people bring stuff on themselves, they still want to blame somebody else for the reason why they can't continue to being what they are. So he disliked David to the fact where he was constantly trying to kill him, always trying to set him up so he could get him killed, right? Thinking that getting David killed was going to keep him in his position, not hardly. 
But Jonathan was Saul's son, Saul's son. And now here it is. The reason why the relationship between David and Jonathan is so special is because Jonathan, in all standings, would have been the next king had things followed in the progression as we keep it today as, oh, if you have a monarchy, then if they have a child, then their child is heir to the throne and this one's heir to the throne. God didn't have it like that. God had David that was going to be king because David was a man after God's own heart. And Jonathan knew that David was anointed to be the next king And instead of him thinking, oh, how could God anoint him to be the next king? But I'm just as good. My father was king. I should be the next king. He embraced David, even to the fact when he knew that his father wanted David dead, he would protect David. He would cover David, even tell David how his father was plotting against him so that David knew where to go, where to move to not die. And the whole situation, the whole relationship between them, how Jonathan had even told David, I will follow you anywhere. You being king, I laid my robe down, my sword down. I am yours. Like, like, you know, like almost bowing before David was even on the throne. Here it was Jonathan professing that I will follow you to the end. Whatever it is that you have to do, I'm right there with you to do it. Not like I'm right there with you because you're taking my spot, but I genuinely want you to to do what God has anointed you to do. I accept that. So that relationship, that friendship that grew from the two of them was when you look at it in all human standings, that relationship would not have went over, right? In today's world, a relationship like that would not have went over. But that's why it was so, why everyone looks at that as being so, you can be a pure person at heart and really, really love and want to see someone do good, even if it's to you having to sacrifice yourself for them. You want them to do good to the fact that you're willing to lay down everything that has to do with you just to make sure that their well-being is taken care of. So that's why that relationship in the Bible was so, was looked at as being so special because who else in the Bible had that type of thought to say, you know what, I will follow you anywhere and do whatever it is you would have me to do. When you think about it, it was almost like, not that I've ever heard this said, but when I think about it right now, it's almost like looking at a a foreshadowing of Jesus coming because you know Jesus came from the line of Judah, which was David. He came from David's line. Jesus was born from the line of David. So when you have Jonathan looking at David as I will follow you and do whatever, laying down everything. Here it is. I'm quote unquote royalty because my father is king, but I will strip myself of everything just to follow you. Isn't that what we do when we go to follow Christ? Don't we say we will strip off everything off of ourselves? We don't care. We'll give up whatever just to follow him and do as he would have us to do. So, When I got the call about the friendship 
And then he brought me the whole story about David and Jonathan. It just made me look at just everything that he's trying to show us, even in our own walks with Christ, in our relationship with people that we interact with. Are we really genuine when we say that we're going to do or when we say that we're going to follow? Or how many of us would actually give up everything for someone else to have what it is that they're supposed to have? How many of us would give up what we have to make sure that another person gets what they're supposed to have, right? And not only just give up what you have for that next person, but do it in defiance of your family or do it in defiance of what others may be saying to you. Because Jonathan was saving David and he knew his father wanted to kill him. So there's so many things going on there, so many different pieces that it just has a, you know, it has us or causes us or can cause us to think about how we move in our relationships with people, what it is that we really feel we want to give up, give up when dealing with others and how we view others that have an anointing on them or have if our spirits connect, if our spirits connect, how much are you willing to sacrifice to let that person go and be who God wanted or says that they need to be, right? This is something to think about. So with that, I say it's time for us to take a music break. You've been listening to What With Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, what Brooklyn sounds like. So undeserving, and yet we worship, giving all the praise. Just humble servants, through sweat and tears, so no more fears. Singing the glory of the gospel out to every air. You cover me with grace, and a love so unconditional. It's got me on my face every day, God. Goes the praise of the saints. Goes my praise every day, yeah. Even at the drum stop
while the world is sound asleep and too afraid of what might show up while you're dreaming. Nobody, nobody, nobody sees you. Nobody, nobody will believe you. And every day you try to pick up all the pieces, all the memories they somehow never leave you. Nobody, nobody, nobody sees you. Nobody, nobody will believe you. God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what they say about you. God only knows how it's killing you. But there's a kind of love that God only knows. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. And in Op-Ed today, I have so many things to talk about, right? Last week, I think a couple of weeks ago, I was the Op-Ed. This week, I'm not going to be the Op-Ed. I have things to talk about in the Op-Ed. Number one, there's a Christmas tree shortage. Who knew? Right. They have this thing on TV. Oh, there's a Christmas tree shortage. Families that want their Christmas trees. They're not going to be able to have their tree. Yada, yada, yada. A Christmas tree shortage. 
I'm sure that breaks everyone's heart. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to sound cynical. But sometimes things in the stories of the news, I'm like, okay, there's a Christmas tree shortage. But there's so many artificial trees out there. Number one, we shouldn't have been cutting down all these trees anyway. Right? When we think about it. We need the trees to clean the atmosphere to give us oxygen to breathe, right? But every year we go through and we strip down dozens and dozens of trees just to be discarded later on. So now there's a shortage because you know how long it takes. Do you know how long it takes for a tree to grow, right? And you just keep thinking, you just keep cutting down these trees and cutting down these trees. Even in, if you just say 10 years, in 10 years of you cutting down all these trees, the trees, even if you planted the same amount of trees that you cut down, they were never going to grow to the lengths of the trees that you cut in 10 years. They would still be baby trees, right? So this whole thing about Christmas tree shortage and all that stuff. And then it got me to thinking when I saw that, I said Christmas tree shortage. And then, of course, you know, I went through the same thing I just said out loud to you guys. Who cares there's a Christmas tree shortage? I said, that's not even the reason for the season. And then it got me to thinking, oh, but then again, there was always a, from the pagan side, there was a pagan side of what was always biblical, right? So then I started thinking, I said, hmm, I wonder if they got the whole idea of the Christmas tree because Jesus being born and then dying on the cross. I was like, well, why would, you know, what would be the significance of tree you know, so in my mind, I was thinking, well, maybe they were thinking that, you know, tree, wood, we'll put it all together, make it one, his birth and the tree all together, you know, and then him dying on the cross. But I don't, I, there was just my silly thoughts thinking about this whole Christmas tree shortage of people going, you know, getting upset because there's no trees for them to hang Christmas balls and lights on. But like I said, you could get an artificial tree. There's tons of artificial trees out there. Tons. And then what about the artificial tree if you had one? What about the one from last year? You can't use that one again? What's the what's the problem with that one? But anyway, I wanted to talk about that in op-ed because when I just heard the story, I was like, really? A Christmas tree shortage? We've got other things to worry about, right, people? We've got Omicron, right? Now we've got Omicron to worry about. And everybody knows what Omicron is? I know it sounds like a transformer, but it's not. And we all wish that it were, because if it were a transformer, it would just be another movie, right? But it's not. Omicron is now the new variant of its distant cousin, coronavirus, right? When you hear coronavirus now, you don't even hear coronavirus. And that's <laughs> that's how removed it is from its being what it originally started out as, right? It's not even coronavirus anymore. When you hear it, you hear Delta, you hear the Delta variant, right? You don't even hear, oh, I got corona. Oh, it's like, oh, they got the Delta. You know what I'm saying? It's like people now are like, oh, wow, coronavirus. Yes, when you think about it, all that stemmed from coronavirus. So now we have the Omicron, Omicron. That's the new name. It hasn't come here to America, air quotes, yet. They're saying it came out of South Africa. So now seven countries in South Africa, well, seven countries surrounding 
each other that located in South Africa. They're now banned from coming to the U.S. and Belgium. And I think it's in Germany. And well, of course, it would be if you think about it when they said, oh, it's in South Africa. Oh, and it's in Belgium and it's in Germany. And I'm like, OK, of course you, it would be because who's in South Africa? I mean, when you think about it, when you really think about it, who's in South Africa? Belgium's Germans. You know what I'm saying? So, of course, it's going to be back in their country. So now President Biden has put a ban on flights coming in from South Africa starting tomorrow. And the only people that are going to be allowed in are people who are U.S. citizens and who are, I think they said naturalized. They're only going to be the ones that's going to be allowed to come in. So I'm like, okay, you're going to let back in the U.S. citizens coming from a country that has a variant that you know is widespread. Does it matter that they're a citizen here? If they're bringing the germ with them, what difference does it make? Oh, we'll take the germ because you're a citizen? I don't understand how they, I don't understand how they make these rules up. They make these rules up and they say, Okay, we're banning these people coming from this country because they have this, this, and this about them. But yet, if you're a citizen of the country, we'll let you back in. So the citizens of the country are not going to bring in the disease with them, but the the natives of the country are going to bring in the disease? That makes no sense. I mean, I don't understand how they they think the logic of that. I, I don't understand. And why is it okay? Now, I'm not saying don't let the people that are citizens back into the country. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is... How are you going to distinguish if the people that are citizens of the country now want to come home because now this new whatever is brewing where they were? How do you know they're not bringing it? How do you know they're not the ones bringing it into the country, although you're banning flights from that country, but you're still letting them in? How do you know they're not bringing it? But I don't make up the rules. I don't make up who flies in and out. So who am I to say, right? Who am I to say? Let them in. Just everybody now. Oh, Pfizer is saying, since they know that this new, this new variant is on the move, they're now working on their vaccine to be able to, you know, combat it because they know that it's going to be here eventually. They know that it's going to be here And they're trying to get ahead of the game. And the thing about it is the reason why, and it goes all goes back to this, the reason why all these different strands or strains of this coronavirus is able to mutate into something else is because when you're not vaccinated, it has a host body to do whatever it needs to do to get itself together. Oh, so if there's no vaccine in here to fight the original, oh, okay, so now we could get in there and we could, okay, so this is what happens when the original happens, when it goes over here. Well, now we could do this, that, and the other, and we can make up a new thing. That's what happens. And that's why they keep pressing, get the vaccine, or at least get one vaccine. That's the whole thing about getting vaccinated. Because once you're vaccinated, then it stops the germ from mutating into something else because it really doesn't have any place to hang out to do whatever it is that it wants to do. Not that I'm pushing everybody to get a vaccine, but if we know this is the only way we're going to be able to 
put a handle on what's happening, then it's just something for everyone to think about. Hmm, maybe I should not keep thinking about just me. Maybe I need to do this for the greater good. But now, not saying that the people in South Africa were not taking the vaccine because they didn't want to do things for the greater good. The reason why it was able to mutate over there is because they didn't have vaccines over there. And when I think about it, that's another thing that makes me kind of annoyed too. You have people over here in this country that don't want to take the vaccine and all you have, hey, that's your right. You don't want to take it. Don't take it. But we have tons of the, the vaccine over here that sometimes goes to waste because we're trying to give it to our people because we want our people to have it first. And it's going to waste where you have countries where people would take it, but they can't get it because we're over here trying to give it to people that don't want it. Go figure. We're breaking our neck to feed somebody, right? And I'm just using this as an analogy. I'm breaking my neck to feed you a steak, but you don't want it because it's your choice. You could have steak or you could have ham or you could have chicken. And then you have the person over there that don't have anything. They don't even have bread, but I can't give them the steak. They got to stay where they are because I'm still trying to cram steak down your throat. And you have your choice of whatever it is that you want to have. So, and I say that just so that when you think about, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want to think about it in overall. There are people that would love to have that vaccine, but they can't get it. And on the flip side of that coin, because, you know, I love coins, right? If we were to now say, you know what? The Americans that don't want it, they don't get it. We're shipping all the extra that we have over to the countries that want it and let their people take it. Do you know how many people would be up in arms that we were giving that away? Do you know how many people would be up in arms saying, oh, they're giving our vaccines away and they're just giving it to these people. But yet you don't want it, though. You don't want it, but yet you don't want others to have it either. Hmm. Something to think about. And that's the end of op ed. And since this is our last day of the, well, the last Sunday of the month in November, of course, you know, we're going to close it out with our word of the month, which was prayer. And I hope everyone has been keeping America and the world in prayer with everything going on. And, you know, we're in our holiday season, so we have to get into the, you know, the holiday mode of praying for everyone and wishing everyone well. Like I said, Hanukkah starts sundown today. So let's keep prayer in the forefront. And as usual, we're going to end with our promise for this week. Our promise for this week is going to be coming from, let me put my glasses on. I know I can't see a thing without my glasses. Why would I even try to see without my glasses? That's funny, right? Okay, our promise for this week is going to come from first chronicles 16 and 8 oh give thanks to the lord call upon his name make known his deeds among the peoples and with that i say thank you for tuning in Oh, and I forgot to announce, I think I'm coming up on my 100th show. That's what I was supposed to talk about, too. But I don't know if it's next week or the week after, but we'll see. 
Yes, I'm coming up on 100. Isn't that something? Who knew I would make 100 shows here on Radio Free Brooklyn? But with that, I'm going to say be well, be blessed, be your best person, make your light shine. And until we meet again next week, God willing, peace. Have you been praying and you still have no answers? Have you been pouring out your heart for so many years? Have you been hoping 